Is it compassionate to allow Mexicans to immigrate illegally across our southern border? We'll talk to a conservative broadcaster who snuck into Mexico to find out. Daryl and Carlo will tell us what he saw. And a Crystal College grad living in Ephesus invites you to see what Paul saw and do what Paul did. This is Jerry Johnson live from Crystal College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. So now I'm trying to get back into America illegally as, you know, these guys. We climb a mountain to look, you know, how do we bypass Border Patrol, and two miles down we see a a hit of dust up in the air, and all of a sudden some Hummers and Jeeps come flying down the, you know, the the dirt road, and it's Mexican militia guy. All right, who is it, the good guys or the bad guys? You recognize that voice, that's Daryl and Carlo. He hosted a show in Dallas for years on the radio. He's going to join us in just a moment because, you know, a year ago everybody was talking about the crisis of illegal immigration, but you won't hear it from McCain, you won't hear it from Obama. And um, Daryl and Carlo slipped over the border and uh, really saw... What was going on was part of it. You don't want to miss this hands-on report in just two or three minutes. That ought to be fun. Also, a Criswell graduate, Dr. David Cathy, sort of a modern-day Paul, will join us in studio to talk about his ministry in Turkey, in Ephesus, among people in cities where Paul ministered. He wants believers to come and visit and help. It's really another Holy Land tour, and Dr. Cathy will join us in studio in a few minutes. All right. What has happened to all the discussion about the crisis of of illegal immigration? Again, everyone was talking about this just a year ago. It seems now to be a dead issue, and I think it's because Obama and McCain are committed to some kind of comprehensive immigration reform, which really means legitimizing illegal immigration. Uh, With us to talk about it is Daryl Carlo. He used to uh, be on the air here in the Dallas market. He is a radio talk show host. He's written a book, Another Man's Sombrero, a conservative broadcaster's undercover journey across the Mexican border. Daryl, welcome to the program. Well, how in the world are you, Jerry? I'm doing great, and we want to hear what in the world uh, did you pull off sneaking across the border and trying to get back. Tell us the story of this book. What did you find out? How funny is that? Uh, we actually did this a year ago, and it was meant to be just a two-day journey into the Arizona desert. I left uh, Dallas for, uh, for Phoenix, Arizona, 
And, of course, the border issue is a huge issue here, as it is a very big issue there in DFW area. And we were just going to go out into the desert for a couple of days to kind of feel what an illegal immigrant would go through. But you know how it is when we sit around a table and start thinking, what else can we do? It then became, well, let's do it for three days. Then it was, let's go into Mexico. Then it was, (laughs) let's leave all your belongings and your papers somewhere else and sneak over the border. Doesn't that sound like a great idea? And doggone if we didn't pull it off. And Sheriff Joe Arpaio, who's you know, the most beloved sheriff <laughs> in the world, I called him and I said, uh, Sheriff Joe, here's what I'm thinking about doing. And he paused and he said, and you do know you will come back in a body bag, right? Wow. But, but for the grace of God, we did go in, we get the story, and it is, it's a very interesting story, Jerry. It really, really is. Well, we want to talk about the lessons from that trip. Uh, what are the surprises, though? I mean, uh, we see a lot of these images on television, and so we think we know what it's like for people to sneak across. It seems to be easy, and uh, we know the result of it, millions of people over here. What was the biggest surprise you found in this journey? Um, you know, there are several shockers. I think the very first day, as far as just the humanity shocker, was here we are in America, and we are so blessed in this country and literally we have a third world country and i've been in mexico many many times but you don't go in with those eyes you go into a you know shopping expedition or you hit one of the you know cancuns or cozumels or whatever and literally just a half an hour forty minutes from the american border you have people living in third world conditions and i went to place after place after place jerry where the people had scrapped through garbage cans to make just a little bitty wow. place that they would call home. And that really shocked me. And the fact that um, a big chunk of the Mexican people make about 5 or $6 a day for a 14-hour day, and here we spend more than that on a latte with a little whipped cream wow. on the top. That probably was one of the most shocking. As far as an image that will stay with me for the rest of my life, that would be the rape tree in the Arizona desert. Uh, because I had never heard of it, and when I was exposed to it and understood it to be the truth, I was just shocked that people allow themselves to be treated this way. Daryl, uh, that brings up something. I used to live in Southern California, and I went on a lot of those little shopping trips into Tijuana, and I would see the poverty, and you could understand why people would want to come back and live in the United States, no matter how they could do so. But I think you found out uh, when you took your excursion that it's not all that easy to get over here, and some, especially women, actually pay with their bodies. Yeah, as a matter of fact, it's the majority of women, Penna. You're exactly right. Um, as I was mentioning a second ago, you know, the image that will stay with me is the rape tree. Let me expand on that for a minute. And in the book, Another Man's Sombrero, I go into great detail. But we were back into America after several days in Mexico, and we were literally walking through the Arizona desert. So uh, the book is full of the pictures and the stories and everything. But uh, I kept seeing women's underwear in trees hmm. so you know this mesquite tree has a bra and this mesquite tree has a you know pair of panties and after a few of these I, I talked to one of the guides who was making sure that we didn't get killed out there in the desert and I said what is the significance and he stopped me and he says oh well that's the rape tree and he said it so nonchalantly like I, I should know and I said I don't know what you're talking about and then he paused and he really I think he realized I didn't have a clue and he said women when they come in from Mexico in particular, most of them either voluntarily offer up their bodies as partial payment or wow. they will be plucked from the group 
as they travel at night through the Arizona desert, and they are raped. And then after they're raped, usually in front of the you know, 20 or 30 or 40 illegal immigrants, their underwear taken, tied to a tree for two reasons. One, it's a trophy. Look what I just did. And two, it sends a message to the next set that's following on their footsteps Oh, you know, so and so is able to, you know, rape three women tonight. Uh, can we do better? And it's almost this macho thing. And when I first heard it, I didn't tell that story on my show because I didn't believe it. I thought it was an urban myth or somebody was just trying to, you know, make this story bigger than it really was. So I went to a variety of border agents, uh, each one separate from the other, so they didn't know that this was a question I was asking. And to a person, they said, yes, as a matter of fact, Many coming from Mexico take a Depo uh, Provera shot to make sure that they don't get pregnant on the trip through the Arizona desert. So when we talk about compassion, uh, that's that's a thing, Jerry and Penna, that will stick out in my mind for the rest of my life. You know, I want to pick up on that theme, Daryl, of uh, compassion. Uh, when you oppose illegal immigration, a lot of people say, well, this is racism, uh, you're xenophobic, uh, you're not compassionate. Uh, this show is about the Christian worldview. Uh, I really want to ask you straight out, do you believe allowing the status quo uh, of illegal immigration, just sort of, um, you know, turning the other way, do you think we are being compassionate to these people as a group? And what do we have, four or five hours for that question? <laughs> yeah. You've got about three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Let me see if I can put it in a nutshell. There was a big prayer vigil or something like that at a church here in Phoenix yesterday, and it was an ecumenical, uh, ecumenical uh, get-together to say God's children are just that, all God's children. So there should be no borders is what they were saying, and we shouldn't be taking illegal immigrants and sending them home. And I stop and I say, you read the Bible, Old Testament and New, and you'll talk, you'll see God's uh, understanding of sovereignty, both in his own sovereign power and the sovereignty of nation after nation mm. and nation building. And I look at this and I say, I want a strong Mexico. I have zero problem with uh, the Mexican people, Latino people at all. I want a strong Mexico. We need a strong Mexico, Jerry. When you stop and think about the Islamic uh, extremists who want us dead, yes. at least we have an ally down there that yes. worships in a similar fashion to us here in America and in Canada. And so I think the compassionate thing is send them home provide whatever help we can so that they can get on their own feet and they can grow their nation and get past the greed and the corruption and the, and the drug cartels that run that nation. Darrell, well, talk about how you came back in, because it was easy to get over there. But what about right. coming back in? Because we played that clip at the beginning, and I want to know more of that. Well, what you actually heard was um, nobody wanted to take me where the Benditos were, and I kept offering bribes, and the bribes kept getting larger and larger. Finally, a taxi driver said, you know you're going to get killed if you go there. And I said, well, I'm hoping that I have enough people around me to make sure I'm protected. So he agreed to take me to the bottom of a hill. He wouldn't go up. So, of course, when I got him to the bottom of the hill, I kept showing money, and finally he said, I'll take you to the top, but then we stop. And so when we got up there, we ran into some coyotes. They are the ones who lead the illegal immigrants, and they agreed to a conversation as long as I turned off my, my recording cameras. And so I'm talking to them for about eight, nine minutes, and then all of a sudden they take off running faster than anybody I've ever seen. And over my shoulder I see a black uh, 
blazer coming down the dust road at 100 oh. miles an hour, <laughs> and on the right-hand side, I see another vehicle, and I was stuck right in the middle of what was going to be a drug versus bandito fight. Now, my son is a United States Marine, and he was my security at the time. He saved our lives that day. So the audio you heard was us literally being ushered out of the area after that incident. Now, a few days after that, when I decided to come back into America, it was easy, as you said, Penna, to go in. I, you just walk over. It was just as easy to come back. I was shocked. It took wow. six, six seconds to leave Mexico and come back into America, and no one attempted to stop me. So the, the gates are wide open, and American politicians like Barack Obama and John McCain are complicit in this because they know big business requires the slaves that are the illegal immigrants. This is Jerry Johnson Live. Our guest is Daryl and Carlo. He's written a book, Another Man's Sombrero, a conservative broadcaster's undercover journey across the Mexican border. Uh, Daryl, I know you've interviewed McCain before. You've just brought this up. We've got about a minute and a half here. What should we expect from Obama and McCain by way of campaigning on the illegal immigration issue yeah, in the next question. six months. Uh, if you look at Barack Obama uh, with the Latino va- uh, vote, this is all states and Puerto Rico, he won the Latino vote in two states, his home state of Illinois and Colorado. Otherwise, he was handed his hat by a 64-24 margin versus Hillary Clinton. So... Um, this is a guy who knows he's got to pander to the Latino vote. And so they've come to him and they've said, you must pass immigration reform with amnesty. And he has taken uh, their meetings and he has had the conversation. And uh, John McCain, on the other hand, a year ago, is the guy who helped author the immigration reform with amnesty. Both are pandering to the Hispanic vote because they believe you know, and they are right, the Hispanic vote will help them get to the White House. But what they don't understand, Jerry, is if you're a U.S. citizen of Latino background, you don't want illegals in this country any more than anybody else. So it's almost a racist uh, approach that both candidates uh, is playing. And what they've done is they've created uh, Spanish-speaking websites where they speak to the immigration reform in a Spanish mode. And that they're now placating the Latino vote by going on Spanish media. They're wow. not telling mainstream media, just Spanish media. And you're going to see more of that in days to come. Daryl and Carlo, he's written the book, Another Man's Sombrero. Daryl, thank you for being with us. We hope to have you back again. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Benna. All right, coming up, a man. His slogan is, we go where Paul went, we do what Paul did in Turkey, in Ephesus. You don't want to miss this. Jerry Johnson Live with Penna Dexter. We'll be back with Dr. David Cathy in a moment. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. 
Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. What do you think about this on your next trip? Go where Paul went do what Paul did. We're talking about the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. Well, we're not talking today to the Apostle Paul, but we're talking to Dr. David Cathy. He leads something called the Ephesus Learning Center. It's in Turkey. It's in the city of Ephesus. Dr. Cathy is a Criswell College graduate. He also holds the Ph.D. in philosophy from Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, and Dr. Kathy used to be my roommate here at Crystal <laughs> College. David, uh, welcome to the program. Thank you. David, uh, I'm looking here at a beautiful brochure, really, that talks about the Ephesus Learning Center. And this is fascinating for me because uh, God has given you a really wonderful base of operation in Ephesus, in Turkey, and let's just talk about this city, first of all, because there are a lot of people out there listening. Well, they know, Art, there's a book in the Bible called the Book of Ephesians, but they don't really understand what this city used to be in the history of the church, who went to Ephesus. Um, they don't understand the artifacts that may be there today. And then the culture today um, is different than it was 2,000 years ago. So what is the significance of this learning center being located in Ephesus, and you there to head it up. Well, with an interest in philosophy and history, uh, as far as heaven on earth is concerned, I'm in the middle of it. Uh, John's buried right across the street from where I'm located in. The Apostle John. The Apostle John's buried right across the street. He was the pastor of the church at Ephesus. And apparently, supposedly, Timothy's buried over the mountain. Uh, Philip's up the road a ways. Mary's house is on the hill. Luke is supposedly buried at the gates. Uh, now, why Mary there? For our listeners, uh, remember what Jesus said to John. In telling him that, uh, behold your mother. And uh, after Jesus' death and resurrection, then John looked after Mary and took her to Ephesus, supposedly. So the heritage is there that if John was there, Mary was there, and she died there and was buried there. We don't know where her tomb is. We don't know. But John's tomb is there. Across the street. And it's a, it's a site that visitors go to see. We go there about every week. And you take them, and you talk about who these people were and uh, what they did. And, um, but you're also doing something much larger than that. It's not just tourism. It's tourism really with a purpose. This is a learning center. Um, tell our listeners what you're about in terms of Ephesus and the other, the other cities. Well, we run all over the country and uh, in Turkey. In Turkey, and we basically follow the same paths that Paul traveled. I know the roads better than he did. Of course, we're <laughs> driving, and uh, you know we have this. Even the, the Turks say it that 
they're realizing it, I'm realizing it, that Christians and Muslims need to talk with each other instead of about each other. And so we're quick to just talk about what we believe, uh, ask them what they believe, and it's a revelation for everybody. Dr. Kathy, of course, Turkey is a Muslim country, but uh, it's trying to be secular in many cases. So can you talk about, first of all, uh, how easy or hard it is for you to get the opportunity to share Christ with Muslims? Well, in my opinion, it's much easier to talk to people there than it is here. You talk to people here, and they're quick to say, you know, that's personal. Keep it to yourself. I believe what I believe. You believe what you believe. Uh, in Turkey, the secular-sacred distinction is not – it doesn't really exist so much. Everybody is religious. If you scratch somebody, he's going to bleed Allah, so to speak. And it's, if you ask them how they're doing, they're going to say, Allah Shakur, or I thank God, I'm fine. So it's very easy to talk about your beliefs, even if – you know, as a Christian, two Muslims uh, all day long drinking tea, smoking cigarettes indirectly. Um, you mean it, that secondhand smoke? It, we, we passed a law, or they passed a law maybe a month ago saying that it was outlawed for cigarettes to be smoked in public places, but hmm. that is in theory, I guess you'd say. Do they assume, like when you talk about Christ and when you talk about God to them, are these Muslims assuming it's the same God? that you're both talking about? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I haven't had any anyone say otherwise that I can remember after these years. Well, what is your understanding? You know, I think it is a debate over here among Christians. Um, is Allah the God of the Old Testament and the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? How do you, how do you talk with them about that concept? What's your understanding of it? Well, in the... In the Kutsal Kitab, the holy book, the Bible, in Turkish, they use the word Tanra. Uh, I use that when I'm around Christians, and when I'm around Muslims, I use the word Allah. I don't focus on that issue uh, because Allah is an Arabic word, and everybody in the country uses it that's not a Christian. It's also the, it serves as a generic word for God, like our word God. Mm-hmm. So someone's God is... Uh, Jehovah or someone's God is Baal or someone's – but it, there, it is also – it has a generic use, you're but, saying. But even Muslims, once they have read the New Testament or been exposed to Christians, which are so few in Turkey, they begin to use both words interchangeably, and there's not a problem there. The distinction really is about Jesus Christ and, and talking to them about the good news of Jesus Christ. Yes, they don't understand uh, the idea of atonement per se. It's mm-hmm. not in their way of thinking. This is Jerry Johnson Live. Our guest is Dr. David Cathy. He had something called the Ephesus Learning Center in Ephesus, Turkey. Uh, actually, I'm looking here at a brochure, and there is a letter in your travel brochure from the mayor of Ephesus uh, really authorizing your learning center. And, and again, this is fascinating to me because here uh, God has granted you favor in the city, in this region. You've got the endorsement of the government officials really to bring folks over to visit these Christian holy sites and to talk to folks as you might meet them and see them about the good news of Christianity. Uh, Dr. Kathy, we know that uh, salvation is of the Lord. Could you just tell us, um, you know, maybe just one story at this point? Uh, you know, what have you seen? What, uh, let's talk about a person that you've talked to and you say, you know, there's no other way to explain this except God is at work in this region right now. 
Well, uh, something that comes to mind, this happened, it's fresh on my mind. It's one of the most dramatic things that I've ever seen over there, and it happened within a month, uh, a, about a month ago. Uh, there was a group from Oklahoma that we were running around to these old sites, visiting ancient churches, and we were in Nicaea. And these folks had never gone to a mosque. And so we walked in the middle of the town after we had visited the church of the Hagia Sophia Church, the Church of Holy Wisdom, where the Nicene Council took place in 325 and so we walked in the mosque I met the imam the preacher of the mosque as he was coming in his name was Harun and I told him that if ask if we could come in and pray and he said you know are you Muslim and I said no we're Christians we just came from this old church ruins he said well come on in and I said we will pray off to the side we don't want to interrupt anything and they want to see how Muslims pray so we went in there and went through the ritual with them and we were praying to the Lord they knew that there was no problems anywhere. And as we were praying, we just prayed, Lord, let us share you with somebody in this mosque. And you're going to swear I'm lying, but a fellow right behind me started crying as we prayed this. And when they finished their namaz or their ritual prayer, this man grabbed me by the arm and told me that we had to come to his house. We did. Of course, these folks that are with me, they're a bit sheepish, and they think they're, they're going to get their heads cut off or something like that. And uh, I said, well, we just prayed. You know, I, I think we should believe what we asked would be answered. And this man's name was Servet. He was very, very religious, prays five times a day. And I asked him, I said, Servet, why are you so religious? He said, no one's ever asked me that question. And he said that when he was 12 years old, he was 72 now, that all of his uncles and brothers left him with the sheep and goats, and he's walking off the mountain to bring them back to the village. And he sees this. He said the sky was ripped open, were his exact words. And he saw a, a glorious form that said, I am Adam's father. And immediately it all rolled out in front of me. I, uh, I said, Well, Servette, who do you think Adam's father is? And he said, well, I think it's Allah. And I said, I think so too. And I said, you know, in the Quran it talks about Jesus being born of a virgin. And so who is Jesus' father? And he said, oh, no, I can't believe that. He said, the Quran doesn't, forbids me to believe that. And I said, well, do you believe his holy books? And he said, but, yeah, but your books are changed. And... I said, well, all the Muslims in the world have one book, the Quran, right? And everybody agrees on that? And he said, yes. I said, if you had two or three Qurans, would everybody accept them? He said, no. And I said, well, all the Christians in the world use one book. And he, he said, well, no, it's been changed. And I said, well, who told you that? He said, well, I heard that at the mosque and with my friends. And I said, well, Muslims told you that. I said, would you want me to believe everything about you as Christians told me about you? Or would you want me to talk to you about what you believe? And he got the point, and he said, well, maybe I should talk to Christians about what they believe instead of just listen to what other people tell me about them. Anyway, he came to believe that God's book, the Bible, was God's word, was Allah's word. And we looked in the Bible, and I showed him how that God, Allah, Tanra, sent his son to the world. And I said, now, if Adam's father was Allah, Jesus' father had to be who, since he was born of a virgin. And he came to accept that it was all and, and believe that he was God's son. To make a long story short, I knelt in Servette's living room 
and he became a believer, a very religious man. He's got a lot of bags to unpack, and he cried. We cried, and all those Okies jumped on the side like cheerleaders. <laughs> and That's we'll great. see her bit again. All right, you're going where Paul went. You're doing what Paul did. That's what we're talking about, the Ephesus Learning Center. By the way, we're going to talk about how you can be a part of this work, this learning center. You could be on one of those tours like uh, those Okies and uh, just see what God will do as you, again, go where Paul went, do what Paul did. Our guest, Dr. David Cathy. When we come back, more stories from Ephesus and Nicaea. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Pentadexter. We'll be right back. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. All right, I'm back. Here's uh, Pennedexter as well. And with us in the studio is Dr. David Cathy. He is a graduate of Criswell College. He holds the Ph.D. in philosophy from Southwestern Seminary, our sister school right here in the DFW area. Dr. Cathy is heading up the Ephesus Learning Center. This is in Ephesus, Turkey. We've talked about the slogan, go where Paul went, do what Paul did. We're talking about the Apostle Paul. Dr. Kathy, welcome back. Let's talk about some of these other cities. You've mentioned Ephesus. You've also mentioned Nicaea. Talk about some of the other sites and cities and ruins that you you would take folks if they came over in a group to study and um, to share the good news, as these others have. Where would you take them? What happened there of significance in the Bible or church history? Uh, out of Ephesus, if since I'm based out of there, to go to Laodicea, it's about a two-and-a-half-hour drive. To go to Antioch of Pisidia is probably four, four-and-a-half hours. What happened in Antioch? Um, in Antioch of Pisidia, well, let me just go through this list of cities. Sure, sure. In Miletus is about 45 minutes from Ephesus. Smyrna is about 45 minutes. Sardis is about two hours approximately. So we run around in all these different places, uh, visiting people, taking our time. We we immerse ourselves in the culture. We, you know, I tell people that uh, everything fades into history, but people in the person of Christ are forever. And so, at the end of the day, really, the people become more important than the place. And we see where all these cathedrals and basilicas and cathedrals and uh, because ruins. Paul went to most of these places. Most of these places I mentioned, uh-huh. And he started churches in many of these places. And you can only see the remains. There's there's no Christians anywhere hardly in Turkey. And some of these places are mentioned in the book of Revelation. Some of the seven churches are in this batch. Um, but what you just said is so important. What is left is the remnants of a church building. There's no longer a church in many of these communities. Is that correct? And how many Christians in some of these communities? There's hardly any. Uh, I mean, none. Uh, in some of these towns? In most of these towns. There may be two or three in in Antioch of Pisidia, uh, one that I know of in Laodicea. And a lot of these names have been changed. Um, and it, most of the people in those cities don't even know what happened as far as church history is concerned. Hold that thought, because I tell you what, at the end of this program, we're going to talk about this. You think your church can't die. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to talk about this later in the program, but let's move on. So, Dr. Kathy, people um, going with you on these tours, um, 
talk to us again about the kind of a thing that might happen. You've got a tour group here from the state, seven people, eight people. You're talking about these sites, the historical significance, but you're meeting the people. You're talking with the people on the ground there. And um, tell us the kind of thing that happens when you do that. Of course, I'm I'm speaking about some of the more dramatic things and and when people come to know the Lord. So that's the most exciting thing in my life. Well, I don't know about anybody, hear. anybody else's. But uh, we're just off in the highways and hedges, so to speak. And we'd met a man who had a fish farm that served some of the best trout I've ever eaten. We, we were trying to find him again, but not necessarily because of the fish, uh, because he was very interested in Jesus. And we got lost trying to find this fellow, got lost in the Tarsus Mountains, and we wound around for I don't know how long, uh, and we just practically gave up. And I was worried about these folks that were with me because I thought they were going to starve to death. And uh, we stumbled onto a hole in the wall up in the mountains, and we stopped. And they had trout, too, because it's cold up in the top of the Tarsus Mountains. And they have all these oh, cold water springs, whatnot, and these small trout farms. And while we're sitting there, uh, we put a Bible on the table, and we're talking, and we've been reading from it, talking about the Lord. And a man ran out of the restaurant. Now this does not happen, <laughs> even in Texas. And a, the man ran to the table and slapped the table and said, "I want to be a Christian, and I want to be a Christian now." I looked at these <laughs> these folks happened to be from Texas that were with me, and I told them what he said, and they they're like, "Amen, brother, let's pray." <laughs> and uh, I was, I was shocked. I had never seen anything like this in my life. And this fellow's name was Hussein. And I, I said, what do you want to do exactly? He couldn't explain anything to me. I explained the gospel, why Jesus had to die, and the necessity of the atonement in his, given his life. I explained all that in detail, and I asked him, what do you want to do? He parried that every bit of that back to me, word perfect. So I knew this fellow was really serious. And I said, how did this come about? Why do you want to do that? I, I was suspicious because I've, I've never seen anything like this. He said, I worked in Germany for years as a domestic laborer. And he said, the Germans are, where I worked were just like many of the Muslims here. They lived like the devil and they were religious, but they didn't affect their lives at all. He said, but I saw below my apartment a small group, and I watched them for numerous years. And he said, I spoke very little German, so I couldn't ask them any questions. But I watched how they lived and what they did. And he said, I knew that those people had the truth, and they were Christians, and they were not like all these other people. That Wow. And he told me, he said that uh, he came back, and he had been working there in the mountains, and he had never read a Bible. And if we had one, he would like to have wow. it. We got him a Bible, and Hussein prayed with us, and he became a believer that day. Now think about it. We were not lost. We just thought we were. <laughs> and we had, more than we had more fish to fry and we knew what to do with. <laughs> Dr. Kathy, I can't think of anything more satisfying than going on a trip over historical sites with a history teacher and uh, someone that can also teach you philosophy and can also come from your same spiritual background. If someone wants to go on one of these adventures with you, and that's really what it sounds like. It's almost another type of Christian tour. People go to Israel and the Holy Land, but this is, this is also just important and wonderful. How can they find out more about doing this? There's a website. It's faithtourismturkey.com, and it gives a lot of stories and testimonies 
Uh, the lots of pictures. Faith Tourism Turkey dot com. Yes. Okay. And uh, you get a lot of insight there. Lots of stories. If you send me, uh, if you hit that website, I'll get your email address and I'll keep in contact so with you. So just an individual out there might tag along with another group, or you might form a group for them, or maybe a church group or a Bible study. So you could take a group or individuals. And how large are the groups usually? Uh, seven or eight people. And pastors come with people from their church. Students come from different schools. Sometimes classes are taught on site. Uh, we do church history, philosophy, just whatever people are into. And you really do make this up as you go along. This isn't a, a you're not going to get a brochure with uh, 15 days mapped out. You're uh, sort of going with the flow and um, having the conversations wherever the doors open. And yeah, we set our own schedule. You don't chase a flag like on the, some of these other tours. And <laughs> we have a flag we fly, it just happens to have a cross on it. <laughs> and uh, we try to keep the cross up front and center in everything we do. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live uh, with Pennedexter. Our guest, Dr. David Cathy. He holds a Ph.D. in history, he t- uh, in philosophy, and he teaches at the Ephesus Learning Center. It's uh, teaching on the road. You know, people do extreme sports tours today where they'll go overseas and they do something dangerous. And this is something, though, I think uh, that would be exciting, it would be exhilarating for a Christian to go over to see these historic sites. When you talk about Nicaea, you talk about Ephesus. I mean, that... Um, really ought to give you goosebumps. If you're a Christian, you understand the heritage and the history. But then these stories, I love these stories. Actually, we've got two or three minutes. I'd like you to tell another story of something that just happened that people over here would say, you know, that's God really opening the door. People we had talked with, uh, one was in Ephesus, one was in Antioch, where people were first called Christians. And we shared with them our faith, and we just left them alone. I came back with another group sometime later, they had read the Bible that we had left with them, and this one fellow in Antioch called, his name was Ali, he told us, he said, I prayed, but I don't know how to explain it. The world changed. <laughs> and he said, I look at the world wow. differently. This lady, her name's Oya in Ephesus, she was running around, she said, and people told me that they're Muslim, they said something happened to her. She's happier than she's ever been. And she told me, she said, I don't know how to explain it, but it seems like there's a light in me. This is people who became believers and hardly read the Bible, and they're telling me those things in their own words. If you they ever don't really had, have it, any Christians to relate to, no. in a sense, they're probably very they have, happy that you come back. They have no church identity. You, people here might gripe about tradition here and there. There's no identity. There's no church. No culture. No Christian culture, that is. Wow, that's fascinating. Dr. Kathy, uh, you know, we were both at Criswell College in the 80s. Could you just say a brief word about how Criswell College prepared you for this kind of teaching and ministry? Huh. Well, as a student, you know, we lived on coffee, and I guess that <laughs> caffeine prepared me to drink so much tea in Turkey. And that's all we do is sit around, drink tea, and talk to people. Well, that is true. We did talk uh, – we talked theology. We talked uh, – Doctrine, we talked philosophy, we talked evangelism, we talked missions, and it was a preparation for that. Also, I think an inspiration, in a sense. It's amazing, Dr. Johnson, as I've seen just at the Southern Baptist Convention where we were recently and talking to Dr. Kathy, uh, the wonderful things that God sends people out from the Criswell College to do, the unique ministries, and this is one of them. 
Dr. Kathy owns a property in Ephesus. I'm looking at a picture of it right now. It's just incredible that uh, as a teacher, as a philosopher, as a Christian, he owns this piece of property in Ephesus. It's a base for these tours. You go over there. You, you have a base there to operate from. He drives the van himself, takes you around. You talk about these sites, the heritage, and you begin to talk to the locals about what these sites mean and uh, what they could mean today and what Jesus could mean for them today. When we come back, we're going to hear more of these stories. We're going to talk about how you could be involved to go on one of these tours, or maybe you just say, this is a kind of a, a program I would like to help financially. We'll talk about how you can be involved. Also, I'm going to talk about how your church could die. If John's church could die, your church could too. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Welcome back. We're talking with a man who has a very unique teaching ministry. This is Dr. David Cathy. He is in Ephesus, Turkey. He runs the Ephesus Learning Center and the tours associated with that center. In fact, the local mayor in this Turkey, this Muslim nation, this Turkish area, has endorsed, really, the work of the Ephesus Learning Center. Fascinating. The government supporting these tours, mainly Christians going around looking at the old Christian holy sites and places where we had churches in the first and second century. And then just talking to locals about what this means and many of these locals coming to understand who Jesus is and what he can do in their life. Welcome back, Dr. Kathy. Uh, Look, I want to ask you, um, you know, particularly about Ephesus. um, Let's go over this history again. John, Paul, Quill and Priscilla, Timothy, what a heritage, just that city. And now me. (laughs) (laughs) that's incredible well you know what really makes the bible come alive when you've been there when you've Mm -hmm. been to the a lot of people can testify to that and so this is another opportunity for that and for people to see you know this place ephesus and these other cities that are in the bible i think it, it will enrich their spiritual life so i mean i know that this is a very short segment so before we get to the end i would like you uh dr kathy to just help us uh, find out again how to get more information and also people who might want to just be involved financially with your ministry how can they do so well i, I direct everybody to the website faithtourismturkey.com and you can find out all the information there and if you hit that website then 
it'll your address will come to me and then we'll stay in personal contact that way so if you want to organize a tour your bible study or maybe you're just a single person you want to tag along with another group or if you want to give or there's a way to help with materials teaching materials go to this website faithtourismturkey.com dr kathy uh, again, these stories are great. Tell another one. I want to hear well, what's happening on these little tours here. Yeah, I was just going to answer your question like that you'd asked earlier about how did Crystal College help me, and it was more than just drinking coffee. But we hashed out most of the theological discussions over coffee, Yes. and we're doing the same now only over tea. And, uh, and now we're talking to Muslims, our Muslim friends, and – so many people are watching television all the time, and they think every Muslim has a bomb around their neck or something like that. It's actually safer there than here. There were more people killed and robbed in the, in the Metroplex the past weekend than probably all of Turkey put together. Mm. Uh, it is very safe. Um, it You can walk around 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning in our little town, and you don't have any problems. You Even in some of the major cities, there's no problems. And um, so it is safe. I tell people if you can get from your house to the airport, then you're home free. So Mm -hmm. um, it's a safe place. I want to get those fears out of the way initially. And and the the mayor, he wrote this letter for me. Uh, I know him somewhat, and I know everybody there. I've talked to the police. Everybody knows me. It's not like I'm sneaking around. I'm just very open about my beliefs. I am here. I am there. And I try to love everybody, and I tell everyone here and there there's no law against that. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's all about the truth, and it's all about loving people. It's basic basic Christian living and a good attitude, and uh, that's the way we operate. How long are these tours? And, again, you know, tell us the kind of encounter you could look forward to on one of these tours. Most people come for 10 days, but everyone who's come for 10 days is trying to come back for two weeks. So that should tell you something. Wow. Wow. Uh, you told me a story the other day about uh, riding or being in your bus, looking out the window at some workers in a field. I'd like for you to tell that story. That's a that's a yeah that's a a real simple story. This kind of thing happens all the time. You may think this is a random universe and there's no design or no control anywhere. Well, you need to rethink or get on a trip with me. We just prayed and said, as we saw all these workers in this field wondering about their lives. And there were some housewives in this vehicle with me, and they said, we would really like to talk to these people. And we just said, Lord Jesus, would you let us talk to one of those people? And I promise you, with that simple prayer, as I can only pray, a woman jumped up and ran a couple hundred yards straight to us. And uh, these ladies were just beside themselves, and (laughs) it's becoming common for me. And what happened after that? Well, we, we had some literature for ladies uh, from a Christian perspective, a Bible and uh, a Jesus film, and we handed that, we passed that off to her. She said, "We thought that you were tourists because we we saw you when you entered this area, and uh, we just wanted to find out who you were and where you were from." And that was her motivation for running over there to us. But she didn't really know that we prayed her over there. Wow. And you were able to give her a lot of materials, weren't you? Oh, yes. She took things back to her friends there that were working in the fields. They were planting tobacco, and uh, it was it was a good experience. But that's very commonplace. You know, uh, we hear a lot about how Muslim women are treated in various countries of the Middle East. Is Turkey a little different than some of the others, and are women perhaps more open to the gospel because of that? 
Well, that's a bit that's a that's a hot topic right now in Turkey, and hmm. and mainly for me as a man to speak for the women, that's another one. <laughs> but in any case, uh, most of right now, women's head coverings is a is kind of a, uh, a a style because the president and the prime minister's wives are covered. This is the first time for a long time, and they're voting on. There's been some controversy about right. That. Uh, so you see a lot of people with head coverings, and you see some that dress with very tight jeans, wearing their head, having their head covering on. Really? So you, you just wonder. Well, we have those really kind going. of contradictions in the United States. Well, yeah, as well. You, it's hard to just stereotype the whole. We got to wrap this up. Look, our guest uh, today is Dr. David Cathy. He heads up the Ephesus Learning Center in Ephesus, Turkey. If you've just joined just at the end here, it's a really interesting kind of a teaching tourism ministry. You go on these tours with six, seven, eight people. You go where Paul went. You do what Paul did, and that is you talk to people, really, about these sites, their significance, but also about Jesus today and the good news of Jesus Christ. Dr. Kathy's website is faithtourismturkey.com. I really encourage you to check the site out. Now, he's in Ephesus. I want to read from Revelation 2 to the messenger of the church at Ephesus right and uh, he he compliments this church because they work very hard he compliments this church because they won't tolerate heretics they defend the faith but he says I've got something against you you have left your first love that's what Jesus said to the church at Ephesus you've left your first love he said you better remember number 1 from where you've fallen you better repent number 2 and you better return to the first works, which is loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I think sharing that love with others, loving your neighbor as yourself as well. And he says, if you don't, I'm going to remove your lampstand. You go over to chapter 1, what's the lampstand? The lampstand is the church itself. And uh, I tell people this about the, our churches today. It doesn't matter if you're at First Baptist Big or wherever you are. <laughs> if um, If you don't love God you don't have that first love, your church can die. And these churches, it's very interesting, uh, they all died in these, in these cities. But God is in the business of revival and renewal and reawakening. And it's very encouraging to see how God is using you, Dr. David Cathy. And we will have you back soon. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Pennedexter. We're interviewing John Cornyn tomorrow. You'll hear it sometime this week. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.